Welcome everyone to the Ask a CEO Show. Ask a CEO interviews bring us inside the corner office and C-suite for discussions with top executives about their journey to leadership and the reality of running their companies today. Our host, Greg Demetrio, is the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning integrated marketing company. He is also the founder of gregscorneroffice.com, the home of the Ask a CEO interviews. Greg has been in the business for over 30 years. He is a resource to the media, an invited columnist and speaker on marketing and business topics. Over the years, Greg has talked to hundreds of CEOs and executives about what it took to make it to the corner office and what it is really like being the leader of their companies. And now, he brings those conversations to you. Here's Greg now. Welcome, everybody, to Ask a CEO. I'm Greg Demetrio, the host of the show. And my day job is CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, a full-service marketing integrated company here in New York. So Ask a CEO interviews bring us the journey of CEOs, how they got to that office, and what it's like running, running their companies today. So today we have Patty, Patty Sipes, yes, the CEO of Insight Diagnosis, a medical testing company located in Washington State. Insight provides specimen collection and testing for individuals, doctor practices, and hospitals. They have a very large number of pathologists on staff from every medical specialty and a vast clientele. Patty has a very deep history and background in the industry of laboratory services and is a nationally recognized speaker. She holds a bachelor's degree from LeMoyne University and has been in the industry for 30 years. She's, hold, she's held executive positions with major companies in the laboratory and testing fields and has a wealth of knowledge. So welcome to the show, Patty. Thank you. Appreciate it. So we're trying to, we try to flesh out what a CEO is really like for the audience because the audience are CEOs and people on a journey to that office. So before we jump in, perhaps you can tell the audience a bit more about your personal background, the early years and some of the decisions and circumstances that led you to become a CEO of Insight. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm actually originally from the East Coast, from a small town in New York called Corning, New York. So um, a lot of people at Corning Incorporated, I know them well because everyone in that town worked there. So um, right out of college, I actually, um, a pivotal piece was getting two job offers. And I started and I chose a job in medical sales. Now, my degree, mind you, was HR, union management. So I had a job for industrial relations to be on the shop floor with Owens Corning fiberglass, or I had the ability to go to Siva Corning Diagnostics and be chemistry sales. So they said, would you like sales? And I thought, well, I don't even think that's a job that is acceptable to my parents. And they said, how about chemistry? I said, I didn't like that either. I don't think I'm very good at that. They said, we need what you have. We'll train you. So it all started there. I started out in a medical sales job at 21 years old and didn't look back. Um, it allowed me to keep my HR piece as well as then go in the medical field where there were a lot more opportunities than there would have been in HR. So I would say through the first five years of my career, I knew that I wanted management. My father was a senior executive with Corning Incorporated for uh, people development, human resources. He won the best uh, people development award for the whole company, the first ever given. So right. I've been dealing with people, people, people aspects ever since I was 10 years old. He would talk about stories at the dinner table. My mother didn't care. I'm one of six kids. She was busy. 
So I would listen and I say, well, tell me, tell me. So we would go through these executive high level HR people decisions ever since I was a young girl. So I've always wanted to manage so at got, about four or five years. You got an MBA at the kitchen table. I, I, I did. It. I love it. They think people are army brats. I'm actually an HR brat, but um, go through many, many um, questions. I know more than I probably should about certain individuals at a very young age, but um, Mary Genetics is when I made my first big move because that was where I could go manage. And it was a genetics company. I didn't know anything about genetics. I picked it up fairly quickly. And that was, I was allowed to be a manager without having the experience. So that was a huge jump. I knew I had to get that job. And I would say that's the biggest pivotal initial uh, job change that I made to make my way up. So that started your management career, and as you you came incrementally as you went through the years to more right. responsible and more high level positions. But in doing research on you before we had this interview, I found that Insight is a, indeed a major healthcare provider in your region. Maybe you could tell us a bit about the history of Insight and and the makeup of the company today in terms of scope of services and the business in general. Yes, absolutely. Insight have been here for a long time, specifically 1957. So a uh, long, long time. And we actually started just with a few pathologists in the Pacific Northwest. Now we are up to 50 pathologists and we have 400 employees. We actually offer two kinds of services. We actually diagnose cancer. So whenever anyone has a polyp or they have a, any type of tumor, it's sent in and we'll diagnose the cancer or we'll tell you that it went away. So we do good things, not always sad things. And then we also just started a clinical laboratory where we could then do the blood, the urine tests. So you could get your normal, you know, CDCs done in your annual blood work that would come to us. Oh, so you, you, you just expanded into that. That's really wonderful because now you're, yes, full, this year. you're a full service provider. now. So yeah. you, your industry is vital in combating the pandemic, okay? And, and how were you impacted and what adjustments did you have to make to respond to that? We lost 75% of our business in 10 days. And with pathology groups, something to keep in mind, it is a very normal practice, but we reduce taxable income to a very low amount at the end of every year. So you start the year with low cash. That is any medical practice out there if it's run by physicians. That is standard. So. There's not a lot really in savings, and it's known. So losing 75% of your business in 10 days is dramatic. We had to think really, really fast. And that's why we were one of the first to apply for the PPP loan and then HHS funding, which was outstanding. But we, we had to be very strategic as to what bank did we use? Could they get the loan approved quickly? How quickly could they approve it and then fund it? Um, so we had, we had to move. Pretty fast. It was it was a dire state. So adding the COVID-centered procedures, how how has that changed your business? Well, one huge piece is that the um, revenue that we brought in from bringing a new revenue source, which is COVID testing, has made up the difference of what we lost in right? the months of May and June. That is, we are now at budget. That is wonderful. Good for you. Yeah. Ooh, At the end of update. August, we are year over year above last year, and we've had a pandemic. We've made up every loss that we had at the beginning of the year. So uh, what could have been a horrible situation, we're having a very good year. 
So what was involved with that transition? How'd you do that? A lot of work. Um, a lot of people had endless nights. Uh, I think people are still exhausted because our clinical laboratory opened the middle of March. So of all things, you spend a year getting it ready and then the pandemic hit. So it's like, great, good timing. Well, that's when COVID hit. So they were really tired from getting the lab up, getting it open on time. And then COVID hit and we had to get loans, money, calculations. The senior management team had to meet daily about what was happening, how quick could we move, and then getting up the instruments. Um, so we had to do quite a bit, and it involved every area. It involved IT. They have worked endlessly to try to get this together because they have to do computer interfaces and connections with instruments they've never even had to deal with before. Uh, we have a lot of places where it's going to be a manual entry, and we needed to hire lots of people um, just to get some of that work done. We hired over 30 people in the month of July alone, only for COVID. Wow. God bless you. Good job. Good job. So listen, if you don't mind, we need to take a little bit of a commercial break to pay some bills. So we'll be right back with Patty Sipes in a moment. We want to thank our sponsor, Lorraine Gregory Communications, for their support. Lorraine Gregory is an award-winning integrated marketing agency telling personal and brand stories for more than 30 years. They partner with companies helping them reach the right audience with the right message on the right platform at the right time. Check them out today at LorraineGregory.com. Okay, we're back with Patty Sipes, the CEO of Insight Diagnostics. Patty, how different is your company today from when you took it over in a leadership role? Not just because of the COVID, but generally. What kind of changes were you able to make that improved a lot of the company? This one was a very hard question for me when I saw it, because I don't usually think of myself and what kind of change I did. So I asked some of my staff. I said, can you help me answer this question? I'm going to be asked this today. What do you think? And they said, well, we think you brought a more of a human element to the senior executive office, and people feel that you are approachable. In the past, people have wanted it, but you make them feel that way, and they support you. So um, I think it's a huge compliment from my staff. That's what they say. So um, I would think that um, coming in, you know, I'm making a company that was already doing well, try to do better, look at some efficiencies from that perspective, and where things might not have been monitored, I'm adding focus. And I am adding a lot of focus to the people element as well. So that brings up my next question. You have a large staff of professionals. Insight has pathologists. Yeah, but so how different is it leading medical professionals as opposed to administrative staff? Very different. Um, I look at it two different ways. I look at with the pathologist, they are also the shareholders. So with them, um, they really, if they have a question, they need it answered and they want data. So the medical professionals are going to want data and substance um, to answer questions. And they are always going to be coming at me about the NOI. How's the company doing? What's the bottom line? So with them, I'm very direct. Um, and the communication styles aren't always outgoing. So I have to find different ways to communicate with them and explain certain things thoroughly because they can sometimes take a different way and create their own ending. And I, I help them with that ending. And then with the staff, um, I think the staff would be typical to where I've been in the past. It's just here in the laboratory area, you have a lot of people doing shift work. 
So we have to be very aware of what goes on in shift work and, um, you know, making sure that people are staffed appropriately and that they have the ability to speak with uh, the professionals and have the openness and communication necessary so they can be effective. I understand. No, that's, that's wonderful because I understand it completely. We have a very large footprint in the Northwell Health System here in uh, New York, and we deal with the doctors fairly often. And the conversations can be uh, tedious sometimes because they are not necessarily outward. They're worse than the neurologists. I mean, uh, neurosurgeons. They have just like a breed unto themselves and you have to be prepared uh-huh. for the conversation before you even enter into it. I would say the one topic at a board meeting that you would think didn't have any questions or need to have questions, you will have 10. And then the topic that was really big that you thought would have a lot of questions have none. So um, I think you just have to be open for things to be unpredictable and just have information to as backup so that you could support all your points and be prepared with all points because you never know what it might be. So here's, here's, a, here's the marketing side of this play. So you open the, for lack of a better word, in my civilian mind, a general practice for the very, you know, the, the blood tests, et cetera, et cetera. How did you go about marketing that? How did you let the people know that you were out there? Well, um, it was a big secret for a little while. But um, to give you some background, I was a senior vice president at PAML, which was a large laboratory in town. And they had eight ventures around the whole United States under different names. And um, LabCorp purchased PAML about three or four years ago. Um, The medical community in the area really, really wanted another option. They wanted their healthcare local. They wanted another laboratory. So people knew we were doing some things behind the scenes. So they were all waiting for it and saying, are you, are you, tell me, tell me. And um, we had to keep it quiet. So as soon as we were able to, we did do a lot of press releases. Uh, We were on TV. and it, we got it out rather quickly. I think more people knew it and that it was coming. So they were just very elated. It hasn't taken a lot of our doing to get it out there. I think our uh, geography has really promoted it. And then COVID hit. So we got an additional um, splurge of PR on the COVID piece because we could do the testing and we could help the community. So being a known entity helped in launching the startup, if you will. But very much. So, all right. That was just an easy way to add on to our service. Uh, so, go, so every company has a culture or a vibe. Can you describe what it is internally for insight in terms of the people dynamics and the culture that, that lives and breathes in there? I would say from what I see, and it might be different for others, I see there's a big family type of vibe. And um, when you go through the billing department, they're all smiling and, you know, they're talking back and forth to each other. And it's a really good family feel when you have a birthday, you know, people really celebrate it. I turned 50 this year and that was nice. They had, I didn't know they had confetti with 50 on it, but um, yeah, they really celebrate. However, I do think it's a pressure pot um, because we're going so fast and so hard um, it is uh, loaded with projects. And what I'm trying to do is make sure that we can get those projects done, but that we can also offer people the time to take to recoup and rejuvenate. Um, so I'm trying to change that culture a little bit that, hey, 14-hour days, I know if you need to do it, okay, but I don't want you so burnout that 
um, you can't be good for your families when you come home and then you are so tired that you're not the best employee you can be. I really encourage people to take some vacation. So it's um, it's been a bit different this year solely because, you know, we had a lab starting, then we had COVID hit. So people haven't really had breaks. Um, when it's a normal day, it's it's a very open family environment. Well, it sounds you're pretty people focused then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that we have we have a relatively smaller company than you, but we have thirty five people in house, and it just has to be that you have to respect those people because without them, what do you really have? Four walls. Nothing. Okay. Right. They have to go home. Life happens outside of work. You know, sometimes uh, there's an emergency. Sometimes a kid is sick. Whatever. And if you mm-hmm. keep saying no then what what good are you so i my position is is that family comes first yep. you need to do what do whatever you have to do just make sure your situation is covered we're okay so that sounds i love that when when ceos tell me that they have that employee focus it just it's just the right way to be well right now with covid we have out in washington state uh, you know distance learning for school we have people that are so nervous about losing their jobs because their kids are work. Some go into school, some have distant learning. They're saying, okay, not only have I not been able to go anywhere for six months, I'm isolated. And now I have my kids at home and I have to try to teach them. I don't know what to do. We both have jobs. How do I get through this? So for us to put pressure on them right now makes no sense. What we're trying to do is help them get through it. They don't know what to do. So um, we're trying to bring the people component as much as we can to be flexible. If they can work from home, what can we do? We're open. We do unique one-offs if necessary. Um, I want people to come into this company and love what they do. I want them to work their tail off, but love them. <laughs> amen. I'm going to just put a big amen on the back of that. So in closing, I always ask my CEO guests two questions. It's really a two-parter of the same theme. What is the best advice you've ever received as a person? And what's the best advice you could give to people on their way up to the C-suite? The best advice I've been given was from a female mentor, Marie McKee. She used to run uh, Corning, a student, uh, part of Corning Incorporated. And she said, Patty, you focus on your employees. You focus on them all day long. You're outstanding. Now I need to see you start focusing on your colleagues and their success. Because if you get promoted someday or you're up for that promotion, if you don't, and haven't developed those relationships, they will watch you crash and burn and they will laugh as it happens. So it was critical. Now I wasn't up in the higher ranks yet. She just was observing things and what I could do better. So I thought that was outstanding. And then um, a different one, which is financial, was negotiate your departure upon your arrival. Because not all that you go into business with are um, going to be above board. It's just a fact. And you need to protect, especially at the higher levels, you need to be smart about it up front. So um, the best advice I ever, what I would give would be that um, just be aware of the differences when you go into the CEO's office. Um, it is very different because you're no longer in charge of the projects. Your team is in charge of the project. So you have to get it all together and you're ultimately responsible, but you can't do it all. They have to finish and come to you. So there's a change there. Um, it's also a bit lonely. So don't expect thank yous or attaboys um, because they expect you to be competent enough to deal with that. And you're not going to hear those. Um, And then I would just say, get to know your staff uh, because they will 
make you or break you. If they don't support you, you don't have a company. Uh, you don't have, you won't be a good CEO. So get to know them. I did a listening tour for the first three months. Listen. That's, that's a long way. That's excellent advice. If you don't know the people, you can't ask them to do what you need them to do. So Patty, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a great conversation. You've given everybody some pearls to take out on how to be a boss and how to be a leader of a dynamic company. So tell the audience how they can get a hold of you for more information or just do personally, either way. Yeah. Um, If you want to get a hold of me, absolutely feel free to email me at psipes, S-I-P-E-S, at inkdx, I-N-C, D as in dog, X, dot com. And then if you want to call myself, 301-956-5848. I'd welcome it. Well, thank you so much, Patty. So everybody, don't forget to to see any of our upcoming uh, editions on CEO. You can find us at Greg's Corner Office on YouTube, or you can find us in all your listening platforms as a podcast. So you can visit us at Greg's Corner Office. You can see us on podcasts, but don't forget, please subscribe and share far and wide. See you guys next time. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's a wrap on another Ask a CEO interview. We hope you enjoyed the talk. We'd love to hear from you. Visit gregscorneroffice.com, click the Ask a CEO tab, search your favorite listening app or view on YouTube. Click the subscribe button and don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye from Ask a CEO.